everyone, welcome to Movie Films with Bill and Steve. I'm Steve. And I'm Bill. Movies talk. So let's talk movies. Let's talk those movies. How you doing, Bill? I'm riding this monkey farm now. Okay. That was a terrible line. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, not a lot going on. Uh, you know, it's a common thread where it's just like, hey, Bill, hey, Steve, let's just common formalities. Let's get some funny stories about our lives. There's nothing funny about my life. I go to work. I come home. I watch a movie. Uh, that's about it, Steve. Fantastic. <laughs> Nothing that exciting. Uh, next week, I'm going to Six Flags St. Louis, and I'm going to Glory Pro Wrestling in Alton, Illinois. Go check that out. Always great times for those shows. I think uh, General Mission tickets, I think there's a handful left to see that. Got the Lucha Brothers versus Besties in the World. Got uh, Shane Strickland's going to be there. Shigehiro Irei's going to be there. Uh, just tons of people. Good times. It should be a good show. Excelente. Uh, that's about it. Blade Runner 2049 comes out tomorrow, Steve. Cool. Uh, it's got a lot of hype, a lot of good, good word of mouth. I hope it's good. I'll be really upset if it's not. Being good would be neat. But it's uh, done by the director who did Arrival last year. I really enjoyed Arrival. Excellent film. So I'm, I'm very hopeful. Very hopeful. But if Deckard is a fucking replicant, Steve... Be, Whatever uh, theater you're seeing the movie in is going to be burnt to the ground. Yeah, I'm be very upset because <laughs> I fucking Ridley Scott. God damn it. God damn it. Ridley fucking Scott. old psychotic, just mentally deficient Ridley Scott doing just tor- terrible fucking decisions later in life that no one agrees with involved in his movie. Ugh. Gross. Fuck you, Ridley. <laughs> Uh, yeah, besides that, not a lot going on. So that's that. I, you know, I'm that eventful. Steve, how are you doing? I'm sure you did something cooler than me. Uh, you know, doing some cool stuff. Uh, I, there's a, uh, WWE house show coming to Pittsburgh December 28th. Nice. Uh, so I bought my wife tickets for Christmas. Uh, fortunately, she doesn't listen to this show, so she'll have no idea. <laughs> I hope that doesn't backfire on you. <laughs> um, but I got us some. Some pretty good seats, uh, not the floor seats, but the uh, first row of stadium seating right off the floor, so that's going to be nice. Uh, it's going to be a SmackDown house show, too, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the main event will be Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal in a steel cage match. I'm surprised Pittsburgh, well, I guess it depends about where at in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh seems like a big enough market you'd get a Raw house show than a SmackDown house show. Hey, um, I'm going to take this gift. That's fair. <laughs> um... But yeah, I did that. I started watching BoJack Horseman this week. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, you know, I feel like I don't hear nearly as many people talk about that show anymore than, than it did when it first started. Which is why I'm watching it now because I don't want to be one of those goddamn hipsters. <laughs> I know I've heard good things about the show. It never seemed like something I'd, I'd, I'd watch. I mean, maybe someday, but it it's honestly not very funny, but it's good. I know. Yeah, I do know that. <laughs> I know it's not a comedy, which I think some people kind of make it seem like it is. I mean, there's parts of it that are absolutely hilarious, but overall it seems just like a, a character-driven show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I dig it. I d- haven't finished season one yet, but it's coming along, and I just, I appreciate it. I'm glad I started watching it. It's four seasons, and each season is only like 12 episodes as well, so it's not one of those bullshit fucking 67 episodes per season, hour-long each, horse shit that I hate. So I can actually get through it. Steve, I'm not quite sure any show... Nowadays, like that, unless you're watching uh, like Grey's Anatomy or something. The fucking Flash is fucking twenty five episodes a season for no fucking reason. 
Well, that's and a bigger I, network show, I guess. And I like The Flash, but it's just like, man, this season could have been like 15 episodes tops. Probably Tele- 12. Television doesn't work that way, Steve. I know, and I hate it. <laughs> that's why I barely watch any TV. Barely. Um, and other than that, I just, uh, I've been writing the movie script with a Ooh. really handsome guy. <gasps> you and Amir? Nah, it's you, Bill. <gasps> You're my handsome guy. Well, as long as I'm your number one birthday boy. Your number one birthday boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Merry Christmas and the Go Go went up last week. We have one fifth of the budget raised so far. Hell yeah! Uh, the uh, budget is going to be five hundred dollars. So if you're listening to this and you haven't pre-ordered the film yet, you should do that. It's going to be great. I, th- according to Bill, it is the greatest thing I've ever created so far. Yeah, we've been working on the script for that. Do a little behind the scenes here. Uh, it's been uh, a joy. Good. I'm glad. So I think it, I think everyone will have a good time with it. Some good jokes, self-aware, it's goofy. If you like cartoons, you're going to love it. I think that's a perfect way to explain it. If you like cartoons, you're going to like this, because this is going to be a goddamn cartoon. Except yeah. live action. <gasps> like Looney Tunes, back in action? No. No. I, I'm sure you could afford Brendan Fraser. Yes! Let's get Brendan Fraser in on this. Hey, Brendan, you want to be in the movie? I don't really act anymore. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Okay. Oh, gotta wait. Make these, gotta make I these alimony payments. I don't really act anymore. Steve, it's Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Aww. Yeah, he's a great guy, but, you know, uh, ex-wife's... Goddamn alimonies! Goddamn it. Goddamn God. alimonies. Goddamn alimonies. Someday. Some, you know, it's, it's great, great, because someday he's going to be dead, and she's not going to get money from him anymore. Oh, I can't wait for his ex-wife to die. <laughs> hey. hey, Brennan, you know, if you want if you want a Christmas miracle to happen, give me a call. Yeah, don't don't do that because she could just magically die from some circumstances, and they're like, and oh. then suddenly this podcast is evidence number one. Hey, but think about all the press coverage we'd get. Oh my god, so much press coverage. Yeah, fuck you, Facebook, always offering me advertising for you know money. Oh, we could reach three hundred and sixty three people for fifteen dollars. Yeah, two of which will click on the link, and zero of which will actually listen. Yeah, give us your money, please. Give us your money. Or Facebook. We re- we really need we really need money. Please, thank you. <laughs> please, thank you. Please, thank you. We gotta develop our, to make our site worse. We have to uh, keep ruining it. Please, please ruin it. Yes, please, thank you. Uh, Warner Brothers released some new Justice League posters today, which is cool. Oh, did they? I did not see. That. I know there's a new trailer coming out this weekend, but I did not hear see these new posters. It's nothing amazing. They're just char- individual character posters, but you know, you get a good shot of the Flash, good shot of Wonder Woman, good shot of Batman. Cyborg's there. But are the posters as good as Marvel posters, Steve? Uh, they're better, because Warner Brothers has far better posters than Marvel posters. Steve, did you see the Spider-Man Homecoming poster? It was phenomenal. <laughs> the first one was, and then I think, um, uh, Feig, Feige? Paul Feige. Paul Feige. Paul Feige. Yeah, uh, I think he quote-unquote helped... And then made that second one, because it looked just like all the other terrible Marvel Studios posters. We need more Tony Stark on this poster. Just uh, make make everyone Tony Stark. Robert Downey Jr. is playing uh, Spider-Man in this film, right? Yes. Okay. So make sure he's on the poster as, as Spider-Man. Yes. You have some skinny kid in here for some reason. I think this was like a test shot that came through by accident. <laughs> Please fix that. Please fix it. 
But yeah, I'm looking forward to the new trailer. I uh, hope I don't regret watching it, but I think they learned their lesson for Batman v Superman. I, I guess I like that movie, so... I just mean how the second trailer gave away Doomsday. Oh, that's a fair point. I get, I get what you mean. Yeah, that's all I mean. Well, yeah. we, I mean, what else did you we... think I was talking shit on my like favorite movie of the year? Yeah, I was confused for a second. Uh, but no, the trailer's just going to show Superman's in the movie, which is fine because everyone knows he's in the movie. I still, I'd still love for there to be a massive misdirect. Yep, me too. Because we don't, because we, they're supposed to start shooting on Shazam soon. We don't know who's playing that. They could introduce it in this film. It'd be incredible. Or Green Lantern. Uh, Steve, uh, I don't care about Green Lantern. Or Wally West. Steve, uh, Ezra, Ezra Miller as Barry dies in the first ten minutes of the film. Steve, it's not happening. And Jay Garrick. And Alan that, Scott. They, they just come through a portal with Dr. Fate and everybody else. <laughs> it's like, man, this movie's getting, getting crazy. This is amazing, and people will complain about it because it's too amazing. There's too many heroes in this movie. I'm supposed to know everything. Too many heroes in this. God. Now, Civil War, that's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It, that If a DC movie can become as phenomenal as Spider-Man Homecoming, I'll be happy. If only, Steve. If only it was as phenomenal as a generic Saturday morning cartoon Monster of the Week plot where none of the characters have any sort of arc or evolution, and pretty much everything is the same in the ending as it is in the beginning of the movie, except that Spider-Man finally stops trying really hard the entire time to be on a team, even though Spider-Man as a character spent his entire career not on a team, because that's kind of what the character of Spider-Man is. It's almost like they took one 20-page story from issue one when he tried to join the Fantastic Four and tried to stretch it out over an entire feature film and completely missed the point of Spider-Man and really just waste my fucking time. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. You know, I keep seeing all the ads on Facebook, like the sponsored promotional ads or for the DVD Blu-ray for of uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. The CG they use in that, that, is not, that must be from the current film, and it looks very bad. Mm. All, I know is, all I know is his suit has the spider logo on the back, and all of a sudden a parachute blasts out of it. It's not like it doesn't look like it came out of it in any rational, reasonable way. It looks like they, there's just like a black hole on his back that a parachute just fell out of. Mm-hmm. I, I keep seeing this clip all the time when he's fighting Vulture. I'm like, this looks horrific. Yeah. What is this? Uh, I mean, when I saw the film, I wasn't really offended by the CG, although it wasn't like amazing in every single point, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the ads make it look worse, though. I don't know if it's the frame rate or or why. Maybe it's because it's smaller. Maybe. Has a reverse effect. Regardless, the action in the movie is fucking terrible. Just want to throw that out there again. That the action is a gigant, gargantuan downgrade from Amazing Spider-Man 1 or 2. And even people that don't like the Amazing Spider-Man movies have agreed with me on that. And I don't know how you have a huge downgrade on action. Well, speaking about downgrades on action, Steve, uh, coming soon from uh, Paramount Pictures, a live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Thank you. God. Uh, with, uh, see, we got here, uh, Fast and Furious producer Neil H. Moritz and Deadpool director Tim Miller producing. Uh, we got, uh, Jeff Fowler helming the video game adaptation with, in his directorial debut. Uh, Steve, was anybody asking for a live action Sonic the Hedgehog? I was. I want nothing but a so- live action Sonic the Hedgehog. I hope, uh, you know, they're probably gonna make it an animated Sonic in a live yeah, action world, but no, I want a dude dressed as Sonic the Hedgehog here. 
Yeah, as I say, it's going to be live action, quote unquote, but it's going to be like everything else where it's a CG character in the real world. And it gets to the point where why didn't you just make a CG movie in time, from the start? Yeah. But what do you need live action in there for? <sighs> Maybe it's cheaper than doing all CG. I can't imagine it's that. Because then you have to... Because, okay, live action, you got to do sets. you got to pay uh, local stuff. I mean, you're already going to get tax credits if you have your CGI farm in some state that gives you a tax credit. You're getting a tax credit from that. So why are you bothering with unions and bothering with sets and locations and weather and craft services? All, why are you bothering with all of that when you can just make a fucking CG movie for $60 million? I mean, I don't fucking get it. <laughs> I don't been... get it, but I, I don't care. I think it sounds ridiculous. So I want to see whatever it is. If it ever happens. It will happen. In fact, they're going to make Sonic the Hedgehog 1 through 4. They're going to film it all at the same time. And we're going to get a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, four of them in a year, once for every season. So it'd be like the Bumblebee spinoff, where it's like, it's about Bumblebee. So they make a Shadow spinoff, but it just happens to be like, just like the Bumblebee movie. It's like, we're going to have Optimus in here. So why, why aren't you just making a fucking Transformers movie? <laughs> and the Shadow movie will have Sonic. It's like, why wasn't this just a, just a Sonic movie? Yeah. The Sonic cinematic universe will be vast. Oh, man. I want to be part of that cinematic universe. Get, on, get, that, get that Sonic books. Gotta go fast! Gotta go rich, Sonic. See, it's gonna be just like Sonic. Instead of being an uh, hour, 30 minute film, it's gonna be a 45 minute film. That's just really fast. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, this, I didn't we put this in our notes, but I wanted to be kind of talk about DC stuff. So, did you hear about it? What did you think of all the, the DC quote unquote extended universe stuff that people are kind of getting mad about? I don't know. I'm going to wait and see what they mean by that, because when the director of the Batman set is not in the extended universe, uh, the only thing that he literally meant was that there wasn't going to be a bunch of fucking character cameos. It's still mm-hmm. part of the Justice League movies, and the Batman v Superman movie, and the Man of Steel movies, and the Wonder Woman movies, and the Flash movie, and all that. Uh, it's just separate. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that's kind of what they mean by this statement. Or simply, it means that literally... Yes, there is a um, continuity universe, but not every single DC movie is in that continuity. But that doesn't mean there isn't one. Yeah, I, I basically took the statement as essentially like comic books. Like you have your big cross, you have your crossover films, but as far as like the monthly to month, like not stuff that happens in Detective Comics does not necessarily factor in anything happening on Action Comics or the Green Lantern comic or the Flash comic or these other things. Yeah. People can have some of their individual stories that has... And not every fucking thing has to all be factored together and leading up to some big thing. So, I, I think I think it's fine. But it is very funny that everyone's using this term that no one at Warner Brothers or DC ever officially used. Mm-hmm. I thought that's the funniest thing about it. Cracked yeah, me up. Yeah, I just... I don't know why people are so mad about this. I don't know why people are freaking out about this. Because like, it's something weird. There, there is a continuity here. Like, it's not like this Justice League has a whole separate cast from the rest of the films and it's not like it's these same characters with the same stories continuing in the future films they're just doing other stuff in addition to and i don't know why that's bad because steve it's different oh is that like marvel guys marvel is successful so just uh just copy them exactly even though you know no one's talking about individual marvel movies except for like two of them and they're all just a generic blur, and just because they make money doesn't necessarily mean that's the best option. Also, DC's making a lot of money, too. Yeah, Wonder Woman made more money. Like, just just really loud people on the internet hate it, so that means they're objectively right. That's how it works. Yeah. 
which is fucking insane. Everybody hated Batman v Superman, Steve. Everybody. And um, Wonder Woman is in trouble. Uh, but um, user scores show that Batman v Superman is sitting at about a 7 on every single website that allows user votes, which seems to point towards most people actually like it. No, Steve. That's just fanboys. Also, it made like $900 million. No, it's just, it's just fanboys. Didn't and... make a billion. It's not a, it's not a <laughs> nine point, it's not a 9.5, so it sucks. It sucks. It's insane to me that people are like, uh, the fact that it didn't break a billion means it's a failure. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What insane world do we live in where a movie has to break a billion dollars to be considered a success? Well, I mean, some movies, some movies' budgets. Well, some movies' budgets, but fucking Barry Superman, you know, they had a million of 300, which was high, but even Warner Brothers, I said, if it makes over 800, it's a roaring success, and then it made over 800. Well, Spider-Man Homecoming made 877 It didn't make a billion dollars. But it, it's still phenomenal, Steve. No, it's a failure. I mean, it is the fourth... It didn't make it nearly as much money as the previous... Uh, the first three Raimi films, domestically. So. God damn it. Worldwide, it actually did finally... Uh, get, it, get, it is getting finally getting close to beating Spider-Man 3, a film that came out ten years ago. That's good. For a while, it wasn't even beating the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, finally. Even with Robert, that. yeah, even with Robert Downey Jr., it was still a huge uphill battle for it. I think it opened in India, finally, and I think that kind of gave it a good boost. Mm, yes, the India market. WWE's trying so hard. <laughs> Goddamn! Can you? Jinder Mahal is going to be champion until December. You realize that, right? Because they they have an India tour coming up. So. Everything and everything's just trapped. Can't have anybody else be anything because of other obligations. Can't have anybody else be the Universal Champion because of Brock. Can't have anybody else be the WWE Champion because of gender or in India and the supposed money that's there for a, a country that doesn't really give a shit about their streaming service. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And and again, it, it annoys me when like other people don't get that chance because you got to do this for the business, even though. They could do something else, and then if they really want Jinder Mahal to be the champion during the India tour, give him the belt back right before it or something. I mean, really, it just depends. It depends on if someone is being built up and means something. Because Kachuki Okada in New Japan has had the belt for almost two years. But it's, it? it's, it's still meant something, where it's like he, the people he's fought against has been ex, you know incredible matches. He's all these other things, so he's built people up along the way. He's been like Ric Flair in 1990, which is widely regarded as one of the best years of a wrestler, a single wrestler's ever had, and Okada in 2017 is definitely going to beat that. Mm-hmm. It's a similar case of that, where it's just like you could still build up your division, build up your roster through one person being champion for a really long time. The problem is, I really don't think WWE is doing any of that with any of their champions. No, they aren't. Except for except for the NXT stuff. NXT stuff's fine. I mean, fucking Jinder had a fucking rivalry with Randy Orton for like four months, and that's insane to me. But Randy Orton had a thing with Bray for like a year and then Finn Balor's also going on like extended periods of time just having another thing with Bray for no fucking reason yeah cause they don't know what to fucking do t- with Finn even though it would make it would have made 1000% sense if he was going for the universal title as soon as he came back and instead they just kind of sat on him for a while and then put him in this weird fucking story with Bray for some reason which I mean I'm glad they're at least using him but the yeah, fact no, that it, the fact that it's still going is insane well, maybe next year in 2018, everyone else can get a shot at something, Steve. Until we have to wait till Mania, so. Fantastic. 
Great, it's excellent. Uh, speaking of WWE, that's a great transition to this. Uh, so that we have, we've known for a few, you know, a few months, six months, whatever, a little while now that there was going to be a uh, Vince McMahon biopic called Pandemonium coming out. And now uh, we don't ever do a lot of rumored stuff, but this is the this is one I thought was interesting at least to chat about. Uh, the heavy rumored casting of Vincent Kennedy McMahon right now is Bradley Cooper. Perfect. I I would be down for that. I would be down for that. Uh, that could other... potentially be amazing. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty excellent, honestly. Although, this uh, person who wrote this article on Slash Film did say like other fun choices might be like Josh Brolin, Hugh Jackman, uh, James Franco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd be amazing. But no, I, I, I saw Josh Brolin. Like, I love Josh Brolin. That'd be, that'd be incredible. But well, I, I'm just fascinated to see where this goes, because the leaked screenplay that, that's been out there, that would just there's no way in the world they're shooting that, because it's ludicrous. Why is it ludicrous? It per- oh, man. Uh, there's a- I know nothing about it, so please. I listened to some podcasts that went through it. There's stuff like uh, Vince meeting uh, Linda at a strip club and <laughs> all this other just ridiculous stuff in it. It's just imagine, like, the most off-the-wall bananas Vincent McMahon uh, biopic you could you could ex- imagine. So uh, that's, his life. That's pretty much what that screenplay was. Uh, could be amazing. I don't know. We'll wait and see. It really, at the end of the day, his biopic, if he ever actually wrote a biography, it's his narrative, I'm sure. It's going to be... It's gonna oh, like, God, yes. This is this is what I... I did this. Yes, I am amazing. <laughs> and I was the most handsome man in the room. God damn it. God damn it. You should have seen my pectorals. Ugh. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, seriously, this man is still shockingly in really good shape. I'm sure he's juicing. Good for him. I wish everyone would juice. Finally, we'd be beautiful. <laughs> Instead, uh, the goddamn government's trying to keep us down. Yeah, it's a, con- it's a conspiracy, folks. This is real. <laughs> this is real, folks. <laughs> I want to. I want to look beautiful and die of a heart attack at 48. Well, yeah. How do you think you die beautiful, fucking idiot? <laughs> uh, then I can say really horrific homophobic things and be memorialized as a saint and a god among men and used to peddle all my tax credits uh but hey if you say a racial slur one time ever you're blacklisted for life for life what made you mad about that again like did something happen on monday oh my god oh so it's it's uh, okay so we're referring to wwe's love of uh, the ultimate warrior a man there's video recordings and er, name every you name it there's everything out there homophobic stuff, racist stuff, just, he's, he was a deplorable, despicable human being. And uh, similar to that is the Susan G. Komen Foundation, which the WWE does a lot of work with because it's October, it's Breast Cancer uh, uh, Awareness Month. So they you know they bring out the pink ropes, they're doing all the fucking you know, ribbon lapel things, they're doing all that stuff to donate money to Susan G. Komen. And on Monday, um, Warrior's uh, uh, wife... Uh, something war like he changed his name to warrior so it is whatever mrs warrior i forget her first name was out there giving this big old speech of how the warrior spirit and how great it's all this stuff where it's like hoorah ultimate warrior and they're using him as like this big beacon of like this this pay the saint there's a saintly figure of just never giving up and battling and all this other stuff they they done this for like ever since he died Mm-hmm. They've been doing this, and it, this is just like the, the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the 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 pushing point for me, where I'm like, okay, go fuck yourselves. Mm-hmm. 
This was a despicable, deplorable human being. I think it's bad enough when you have, like, the fucking Jimmy Snooker, like, he was, like, remembrance thing when he died. Like, this man murdered somebody and got away and, and got off on it through questionable circumstances involving Vincent McMahon. Yeah. And you're just like, ah, oh, yes, he was great. Like, it's like, there's sometimes it's like, gross. Let's back it up here a little bit. Mm-hmm. But just the the, the the saintly nature they put the Ultimate Warrior in is just gross. And like Steve was mentioning, especially when parallel to that, you got Hulk Hogan, who through transcripts dropped N-bombs and was mad and all this other stuff, which several wrestlers that worked with him over the years say he's not racist, whatever. He had a bad episode, and which happens. But whatever, I'm not, I'm not, we've talked about that before. It's not like we're saying that's okay what he did, but... Yeah, we're not defending what he did. But anyway, he is blacklisted from WWE. He is not, you know, they finally started, after like two years, putting him back in like video clips and stuff and like promotional stuff. But as far as being there and all this other stuff, he's like, zilch. Mm-hmm. But Warrior, who's dead, and it was just horrific, is just, oh, he was incredible. Let's all shake the ropes and show that we're survivors and warriors. Yeah, I don't understand the deification of treating him like he's insane, because he wasn't. And, like, like I said on your Facebook post, I, he was a complicated guy. You know, there, for, you know, there's a video of him being hyper-homophobic, and there's a video of him just screaming at some agent that was acting like he was better than other people, um, because he was treating people under him like shit. And it's weird, but he certainly was still that really homophobic guy at the same time. Yeah, it's not even like that. There's like some <laughs> racist stuff, um... Shitting on poor people. I saw. I saw. There's been tons of stuff out there. For, you can find it all. It's just like you know, this one is person that we're just like, no, he's he's amazing. He's just uh... yeah, and he, no, he wasn't. No, and like if you, if you want to look past that and just focus on the character, that's fine. But then why can't they do the same for Hulk Hogan? It's okay, Steve. You know why? Because he's dead. He can no longer say things to hurt the company, so he'll use his use his memory and that's use, what you uh, think. Everything can. So. Uh, that's what you think. Ultimate Warrior is a survivor. He's gonna come back <laughs> and just keep dropping the N-word. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Please don't. He's gonna walk out to the center of the ring and just say just that word. Well, they, they have, and then he'll just... say, you rook funny, and then he'll leave. Oh no! And that's what people will say is too far. That's too far? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I have no good transition to that. Let's get into this uh, week's uh, movie discussion. It is uh, Zombie Ween, everybody. As we discussed, we're going all zombies for October. You know, you know, you know, zombies. You know, this is a little genre no one talks about. It's pretty unknown. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about a film today from a uh, very unknown filmmaker. No one knows who this guy. Is. This is the George Romero guy from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. No Some fucking this. backwoods city. Yeah, who knows? Who knows this guy is? I don't know. He made this little little film. I bet people couldn't even tell you which uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is their favorite Romero movie. Freddy vs. Jason was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine too. It was really good. Uh, we're talking about Day of the Dead, 1985, not the 2008 weird Ving Rhames one that's really, really bad. Uh, we're talking about the 1985 Day of the Dead. One hour, 36 minutes. Not rated. That's a key point in this. A small group of military officers and scientists dwell in an underground bunker as the world above is overrun by zombies. It's true. Steve, what did you think of Day of the Dead? Um, well, ignoring uh, my joke, uh, Day of the Dead is my favorite Romero movie. It is mine as well. 
It is it's the best of his uh, zombie quadrilogy or quintilogy or. Oh, there's more than that. There's like six films. What was the sixth one? I know about The Diary of the Dead. Uh, Survival of the Dead. I still haven't seen that. I have not seen it because uh, no, I heard it's really bad. So I was like, I'm okay. Man, I want to see it. I didn't see Diary. I saw some bits of it. I, I saw Diary. Bits. It was okay. It wasn't yeah. as bad as I feel people were claiming it was. It was fine. It was inoffensive at worst. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, but day is fucking amazing. I feel like everyone sucks the dick of dawn all the time. Yes. But for me, it's all about day. I think the characters are way more interesting. I think the plot is way more interesting. I think that there's an actual meaning behind the zombie plot as opposed to the other, most of the other zombie films. Um, Land at least also kind of had an end game, even if they didn't get to it, but at least there was something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great, and I, fu- I love Dr. Logan, and I love fucking, uh... Um, Rhodes? Yeah, Captain yeah, Rhodes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Joe Pilato. Joe Pilato. I'm terrible with names. I, I After watching this film, like, I love this movie and I rewatched it. And even at the end, I was just like, fuck, I forgot, like, every character's name shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and Joe Pilato's a cool guy. I hung out with him at uh, uh, Wasteland a couple years back. I'm sorry, not Wasteland. Yeah, Wasteland. Yeah, I think two years ago is when they did the uh, Day of the Dead cast reunion. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He seems like a cool guy, from from all accounts I've heard about him all over the years. Uh, I will say though, he looks he looks a bit better now. I was telling Steve I was watching the 2005 uh, Anchor Bay uh, DVD release of Dawn of the Dead. They had a documentary on it. I was watching it like, whoa, Joe Pilato ain't looking great. Nope, but he turned his life around in a bit. He was he was very much in Goiter City. Like everyone else, like you know, even Romero has always looked kind of like shit. But you know, Romero's looking fine. Like uh, the actress played Sarah. Everyone else is on. Like Tom Savini. Everyone on here is looking pretty good. Especially, um, uh, uh, um, why is that not the, like, the top name on this fucking thing? Uh, I feel like Joe Pilato is better known as his role as Metal Greymon. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't know he was Metal Greymon. That's excellent. <laughs> that is more than excellent. Sorry, uh, Sherman Howard, who played Bob. I don't know why that's such a buried lit on this cast list on Wikipedia. Yeah, Sherman Howard, like, he's on this thing. Look, he looks incredible. He's a very handsome man. Good. Yeah, I met him once, and he, he was handsome when I met him, so it's good to know that he's consistently handsome to everyone. Yeah, it's like, yes, I just find I'm watching this documentary. Everyone's looking pretty good. Poor Joe Pilato. Poor Joe Pilato. <laughs> but hey, I've seen pictures now. I just want to see it. He, like, he's, go ahead. he's got that Digimon money now, so... Get that, get that Digimon money? Get that <laughs> Digimon fuck money? <laughs> Oh, uh, I wish I would have known that. I would have just um, asked him a bunch of nonsensical Digimon questions when I saw the Wasteland. Well, you know, you get a lot of actors who were like in one big cult '80s like horror film in like the early '80s or mid '80s, and that's all they ever did. So then they just kind of turn into mashed potatoes and do the horror convention circuit for the rest of their lives. Yeah, Joe's and... at least had a few jobs. No, for sure. He said he said quite a number. I'm not I'm not shaming him, but but you see him. I saw them in the documentary. I'm like, oh, he turned into one of those people. That sucks. Because I don't like I don't like that when it happens to people. Mm-hmm. I hope I want everyone to you know be pretty well off, you know, do well with themselves and everything else. You see, you see some actors like, oh, goddamn. Oh, Buzz's girlfriend. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, yeah, he's like, you know, you hope you hope the best for people. Man, maybe and I so... should get Joe Pilato to play Santa Claus in a Maui Christmas. <laughs> I'm running this monkey farm now. <laughs> Give back the presents, or I'll have you shot. Perfect. Those are my presents in there! 
Choke on them! The cookies. Choke on the cookies. Please. Well, yeah, yeah, choke on them. The cookies. Ah, <laughs> uh, Santa Claus is going to be getting eaten alive. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it won't be a red Christmas? Ah, uh, no, I made that movie, and then someone else also made that movie and had to um, make the title slightly different because mine came first. Fuck you guys. Suck it! Suck it! Uh, that's, we're gonna cease and desist for that. Yeah, watch out. Oh, fuck. Uh, I'm making the too sweet hand signal in my house. Oh god, Vince McMahon's here now! Give me the money, god damn it! <laughs> Every time I do it, a black sensor bar pops up on my hands. <laughs> it's quite impressive. Uh, but as you've said, this movie I, I strongly feel is Romero's masterpiece. Yes. I think, especially in this, the original trilogy, I do agree with you. People, I mean, I can understand Night of the Living Dead, because uh, I think it was a very uh, pivotal film in horror in general, not just like his films or horror, you know, uh, zombie films. It's a big film in general. Mm-hmm. And as you said before, many times between Zombie 2 last week and when we talked about Day of the Dead, sorry, when we talked about Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead was just huge for kicking off the boom of zombie movies because there hadn't been really any like big ones, especially like when it led Zombie Two and the Italian, all this, all this stuff there. But as far as like, you know, just a film, filmmaking, the script, the characters, everything going on here, Day, Day of the Dead, incredible. Mm-hmm. His magnum opus, absolutely. Uh, yeah, completely agreed, without doubt. And which is funny. Because as we kind of mentioned, it's like it's not really well regarded amongst people, which is really weird to me. I, yeah, don't... I don't get it. Even when it came out, it was not people. Like they said on the documentary and other documentaries, they kind of rec- kind of talk about that. It's as if people just wanted more Day of the Dead. They wanted more just kind of floofy, popcorny, just kind of some silly adventure film. They they weren't prepared for a film that is super uh, nihilistic and de- just depressing mm-hmm. with what they with a teeny bitty glimmer of hope at the end yes probably yeah. a bit more hope at the end than there was at, uh dawn of the dead yeah i completely agree but this film is just nothing but dark depressing claustrophobic paranoia yeah claustrophobic especially is a great word to use for it yeah just because they're at the 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 uh, underground mine facility that in have. florida no, no, that, that mine facility is out, outside of Pittsburgh. In real life, but the movie takes place in the Everglades. Well, yeah, but... Okay. There's, there's no mines in Florida. Well, I watched the promotional video on the DVD that Anchor Bay put on there from this company that's uh, the... Um, oh, I, I put it away. It's like... Oh, shit. It's, uh, fuck it, whatever. I watched the promotional <laughs> video. It's an underground limestone facility that they they put uh, they'll put offices in there, so you you could have like a business that you just run out of a mine. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating, and it's still running to this day. Yeah, I believe it. But just using it for this film, where you know you have all these dark corridors, very you know, low, and then you got this weird artificial setting with like the the the, uh, the office areas that they're the labs and stuff, where it's just like you know, there's a hallway, but there's a big like pillar of stone and stuff supporting up the ceiling of this segment. And it's like this is a it leads just a very very unique environment for mm-hmm. the film. Yeah, it is really cool. It was a, it was here. a good choice. I wonder if um, George found that location, wrote the script around it, or if it just turned out to be like a perfect place. Well, uh, the original script was much bigger, 
And they were going to do a lot more above ground stuff. They did a little bit in the film, obviously, when they were trying to find people. It was, it was supposed to be like ginormous, but they couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Especially because he wanted to, he was aiming for uh, to be unrated. Mm-hmm. And this was the end of his three picture deal with uh, United Film Distribution Company. He got the deal, and uh, he did um, did Night Riders and Creep Show, and then Day of the Dead was the was the third film in the three picture deal. So there was one of those cases where because they made Dawn of the Dead seventy eight, they wanted to have some time in between the films, mm-hmm. and so they did it that way. And it was supposed to be huge. He wanted to be this giant, like epic, kind of like Ben Hur of the of zombie movies, but that was just not going to happen because it cost too much. Right. So like, it was always going to be a lot of underground elements, but he wanted to do a lot more above ground elements. So basically, it was a lot of just cu- taking that out, taking all like the some of the a lot of the character stuff, putting it into the smaller film, and then working off that. Okay, that's cool. I didn't realize that. It makes sense. Which, though. which then meant they could use most of the three million dollar budget on special effects, which is fucking great. Which it absolutely is. Uh, the the effects in this film look amazing. Yeah, we can absolutely pivot over to that. Uh, we've. You know, it's funny, because we run the whole gambit on Tom Savini films the last several weeks. You know, we, we talk about just, you know, like early in the year, we talk about Maniac. Then we're moving on, then we talk about Friday 13th, and how a lot of Friday 13th does not look very good. Correct. But then we get to Day of the Dead, uh, which is insane. <laughs> Super insane. It is just incredible. I'm sure a lot of that can be not, you know, I'm sure Savini's part of that. Greg Nicotero, their entire team, they had a lot more people able to work on this. The zombie makeup for a lot of the upfront zombies looks incredible. Even the backgrounds, like extra zombies, looks perfectly serviceable. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to, but that, that's fine. You can I can always pass this up because like okay, they're dead, they're fine. They just look funky, great. But when it comes to the actual like eating people, the dismemberments, the actual gore effects, woo, the, the, the f- phenomenal stupendous even mm-hmm. it's uh, they're so good this is some of the best some of the best gore effects in the in this decade i mean as far as like gore effects in a horror film they, they this is day of the dead's up there as far as all time oh yeah i just didn't want to I be mean, ridiculous I, I will make that statement i think i mean i'm not gonna say it's the best of all time because you got thing, things like the thing and other films that do just insane practical effects like friday the 13th Part one, <laughs> but this is a just a stellar, stellar work. The I don't think I will say I don't think any other zombie film does throat like throat tears or flesh biting scene like effects as well as this film does. Mm-hmm. Like when uh, the one scene in the film when the zombie gets out, bites the one guy's neck before Steel shoots them. Like like the whole tearing, like the way the way they did the latex at work, where it looks like just like tendons and like skin peeling out of the out of the the, the effect blood gushing everywhere you can see like they actually put some little bits of bone in there so you can see some of the neck bones and yeah stuff. it's fucking amazing i mean just that between that the then even when it still shoots him i think the bullet hole with the blood screening out looks incredible it does it looks really really fucking good yeah i mean it helps us a lot again being in these caverns you have a lot of darkness a lot of shadows so you can work with to hide some effects but there's even some like when miguel is getting his arm chopped off that mm. looks great it does it looks great when she first throws the act, the machete into the false arm, and then of course you know the usual trick of having a, the blade cut out on top of there. Everything the, the way it's done and the way it's edited together is seamless and looks incredible. Mm-hmm. And then not even she's even at the the finale of the film when Rhodes and Steel and all the other guys are being eaten, 
I mean, I think Rhodes has probably one of the most memorable zombie deaths in a, in a zombie film. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. And he goes out exactly the way his character should. Yeah, we'll talk about this character after discussing his death. But, but yeah. just him just getting ripped in half and then getting pulled, pulled as he's being pulled apart, he's yelling, you know, choke on him as he's his <laughs> dying breath. Oh, it's so good. A fun fact about that scene. Uh, they had been using uh, cattle intestines and stuff throughout the filming for the guts and stuff, for like when the zombies falling off the table in Logan's laboratory and other stuff. Uh, well, uh, they 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 after they use them, they put it in a bucket, put them in a fridge because they have to keep using it for the for the shoot. Uh, so before it came up to do Rhodes' death, uh, they discovered that someone unplugged the refrigerator, and those guts have been sitting in the fridge for two weeks. Oh, not re- not refrigerated. Great. And they had to use them for the set- shot. Perfect. So he, uh, um, Joe Pilato's in like this false floor. He has the stuff on top of him. The special effects guys, like Thomas Mew saying, like he has like, a respirator on there. You can see him because there's a lot of behind the scenes footage. They're just like all like covering their faces, like trying not to like vomit everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, and especially imagine Joe Pilato having to lay here, have all this stuff put on top of him. And like they do the, they yeah, but they put all the stuff in there, and then when they do the shot of them pulling it apart, it's like this, like all of the waftness of it just blasts up in his face, <laughs> and he was trying his hardest not to just fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, gonna try not to die here. I'm just, I, it's like I, I felt so bad, like even, even just them describing it is just like oh horrific. I've smelled a lot of rotting meat because at my job. When we get uh, stuff we have to do do data entry on, we'll get meat. And there's been times in the past where I might be busy, might not get to it. Someone might have forgotten it in the, in the cooler. And you walk into the cooler or you can just smell that like 15 feet outside of like this giant industrial cooler. You can just smell like that rotting meat. And even that's bad after like a week. I can't imagine just two weeks in a hot <laughs> underground refrigerator. Right. Oh, my Lord. Uh, but pivoting off of that, Joe Pilato as Captain Rhodes, Steve. Five out of five. Five out of five? Yeah, he is phenomenal. He is so good as Rhodes. He is one of, if not absolutely, my favorite villain in any zombie movie. Oh, for sure. I think that's definitely a fair thing. Because, like, he just owns this film so much. As a man who is just at, like, beyond, beyond like, psychotic break and, and like, just pure, going to pure, like, mental insanity and, like, power trip mm-hmm. in this film. Where he just feels like in such a hopeless situation and he's just wanting to like, he's trying to take control of it as best as he can, throwing all logic out the fucking window. Yeah. I mean, he just flat out kills that uh, other doctor, Dr. Doctor, uh, Dr. Fisher. Yeah, he's, he's just going fucking crazy. Yeah, it's like, you're going to fly us, I can't take everyone. He's like, I was, you know, just blast that guy's brain, he's like, I'll kill you, motherfucker. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like wow. Mm-hmm. Just insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, just beyond the character being so written, like, Plato is just insanely great in this role. It's And it's his first fucking feature that he was ever in. And mm-hmm. he owns it. And I'm really sad that he did not continue to go on to, like, do a bunch of great things. I mean, not really anybody in this film really did, went on to do anything great. Which bu- bugs me out. It's, I mean, it's not that much different from Dawn. Like, Ken Forey went on and did, did a lot more stuff, but I don't, not none of the other actors really did anything like majorly prominent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, a, it's that weird thing about horror films in the 70s and 80s. A lot, you know, some people got that break, would go on, like, either would do a lot more horror films that have a lot more prominence, or do that break into mainstream stuff, like mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. 
But I mean, like so many people, it was either one or two, and that was it. And I mean, I mean a lot of these actors are also still actors. Either did like local, um, you know, theater stuff or did commercials. I mean, a lot of people still work. I mean, I mean like even like Joe Pilato, like you said, doing like voice acting. I mean, a lot of people move on to do that. Yeah. So I mean, they find work. It's just it's just crazy. Especially like Joe Pilato, like you tell me this guy couldn't get more on screen on screen work as villains in other horror films in the eighties into the nineties. Yeah, it's mind boggling to me. Because he's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. He's. I cannot talk enough about how fucking good he is in this movie. And how much I love the character Rhodes. Mm-hmm. As just this crazy guy that just lost his fucking mind living in this fucking basement as the world dies around him. And the hopelessness and like them being cut off from Washington. They don't have any idea of supplies. I mean, presumably they'll have enough to last for quite a long time. But as far as like... The sense of, I mean, they're at the end of the day, we're probably here forever. Yeah. And, like, that that weight of that just pressing on top of them all the time. Yeah. On top of the constant imminent danger of zombies, either the ones they have corralled in their, their area for for scientific experimentation, or all the, like, the hordes of zombies just above their heads on the, on the, on the above ground area. Mm-hmm. Just insane. Plus, I mean, that, that whole, like, meeting scene where they're having dinner, and him just, like, the intensity in his face, you know, like, I joke when he's like screaming like, you know screaming at logan screaming at sarah all this other stuff it's just like it's tense and you're just sitting there like you're you don't know because at, at this point you know, this given the film given like the environment there's no guarantees he could have easily just whipped the gun out and shot someone in the head and be like that's it yep so you're like you have no idea but even you've you've met these characters enough you know them they're all pretty they're all well written so where you you know you're, you do have an emotional connection they're charismatic and interesting characters absolutely and you don't and you're you're fearing for them like you don't want them to die you don't want this like man who's clearly having a loss of power just you know break pointing guns telling other people like even like when he tells Steele to shoot the lady he thinks it's a joke and like yeah bang you're dead and then and rose is like if you don't shoot her to the count of five i will shoot you myself yep and it's like oh my god yeah I mean, there's been some things before that scene, but that scene is definitely the one that sets the tone. Yes, it does. For, for the rest of the film. Of just how, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, it's, you think the zombies are the biggest threat. No. <laughs> similar to Dawn and similar to Night, like, man is the biggest threat, really. Mm-hmm. And just, like, what happens to man when they break under pressure. Because the zombies, they're just mindless adults. Like, children. Just wanting to just feed, and that's all they—that's all they're really going off of. But the humans are the ones that have the real ability to break and do some dangerous things, which is always a, a good running theme in Romero's films. Yes, absolutely, it is. Yeah. Also, I think cutting off that dude's arm would have worked if he didn't get suicidal. Yeah, Miguel is an interesting parallel to Rhodes. I think Rhodes is having a psychological break, but has the strength and will to like to do something about it, even though he's not thinking clearly about it. Yeah, even though it's Me- bad. Yeah, meanwhile, Miguel is just a total mental break. Yeah. Like, he's just done so. May as well as kill everyone. Yeah, it's one of his characters. Like, he, even though he likes Sarah, he sees something in Sarah, John, McDermott. Like, those are kind of our heroes in the film. Plus, you know, obviously... Uh, Professor Logan and his uh, and Fisher, the other scientist assistant, like and and then we'll, we'll talk about Bub here in a minute. Yeah, uh, but, you know you, you do have these characters you 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 care for, and he, but you know when it comes to Miguel like losing it, he's like, you know what's the point? Like humanity should just go go all fuck itself. Mm-hmm. And so he just you know runs up there and has a insanely badass death scene. Badass. 
you know, for as as you know, as far as some other characters, but you know, just like his just kind of sacrifice of like, well, fuck it, let's get let's fuck him, let's bring the zombies in. So he's like letting them in, like they're all like, chomping on him, ripping his throat out, and everything. He's like last breath, he's pushing the button, let the elevator come down, just loaded with zombies. Yep. It's just like, oh shit, god damn it. I mean, then when Steel and the other um, military guy are there, just like. <laughs> Oh my god, they're running off. And of course, Rhodes is running off, locking them out of everything. Yeah. God, just fucking kill, basically killing his men. Yeah. Let them die. That's when the shit hits the fan. <laughs> uh, and the other most noteworthy character in the film, for sure, is Bub. Ah, uh, yes, Bub. The hero zombie. Yes, uh, Dr. Logan's, the, you know, trying to... idea of domesticating the zombie. I mean... It's insane that he thinks he could do that for millions and millions of zombies, but it's as good as plan as any. You know, like they're like, "Hey, why aren't you looking for a cure?" There is no cure. They're dead. They're dead, and they came back to life. There's no cure for that. All we can do is teach them to be human again. Absolutely, that's a great plan. It's the it's the implication. Like even if Rhodes was 100 percent on board with this plan and fully supportive of this, how many zombies could they get through before they just died of old age? Well, especially the whole, like, he, I mean, it's very clear that Logan's also somewhat deranged. Yes. Between him, like, talking to himself in his tape recorder and just constantly, like, that to be rewarded. Like, his plan would never work purely off the whole thing about reward. Like, where are they going to go with the human flesh with the reward the zombies with? Uh, don't worry about that. But he doesn't necessarily, it's very clear he does not care about mass, mass, uh, implications or mass you know usage he's just like oh well this is my experiment i think this is working i'm gonna do whatever it takes for me to prove it to prove it right to myself because he's again he's a mad scientist that's the term frankenstein yes but you know he he was right bub learned relearned who he was at least somewhat Mm -hmm. he gained back emotions you know he you know people like to bitch about the zombies in land of the dead but bub was further along than any of the zombies in that movie I thought, well, that I mean, the Land of the Dead was just a further evolution of what Romero was going for in this film. Oh, absolutely. Like, I support what Land did. I'm talking about the people that were complaining about the zombies learning in that movie. Well, those are people who, it's in those cases where it's like, well, did you guys not watch the other films? It's kind of an evolution of, of everything. <laughs> yeah, they, they've kind of been building up to this point. Even, yeah, I mean, in, Dawn, even in Dawn, the zombies were doing human stuff. Yeah, Dawn was the start of that, where like their primal instincts of just like, this thing that, you, like Ken Forey says, you know, this used to be a place that meant something to them. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's a, those weird primal attachments to something. And in this film, it's like we're further evolving that. And then to land when there's almost like a zombie society at works mm-hmm. and going on. Which another thing that we'll talk about at the end of the month when we talk about a particular film about, you know, zombies having some sort of sense of learning and some sense of understanding. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we watch Friday the 13th Part 6. That is right. Fuck that VW bug. Fuck your fucking corporate paintball thing. Fuck you, American Express. <laughs> oh, man, that's such a good movie. <laughs> yes, it is. But we aren't talking about that. We're talking about a uh, fucking masterpiece of zombie cinema. We're talking about Bub. We're talking about Bub the zombie. Bub the fucking zombie killer. I, I, Bub's just walking through the fucking streets of Florida with a bunch of guns right now, just killing zombies. Yeah, it's possible. He's taken over the entire state so he can just live in peace. That's right. I mean, if you talk about Sherman Howard, as far as, you know, other great performances in this film, Sherman Howard is incredible as Bub. His mannerisms, uh, just working through the, the material, just 
his like this hand movement to me and most of what he does he talked about was just improv mm-hmm. they kept talking to Romero like about this about that like the choice of um uh, uh Beethoven for the uh the, the the Walkman when he's listening to the music like all that stuff is all like tr- things he thought about for the character and just everything he everything in this film is really a lot of him that's cool just coming up with stuff and working with stuff and talking to Romero about it and just kind of you know going with it and it's just like such great stuff. Like he's definitely like at a at a point he's almost like the emotional core of the film by the end of the film. Yes, he absolutely is. Where you know when he comes upon Logan's body, it's almost like hey, like he's like get there. He's like hey, I go I let my ch- I got my chain unhooked here. Whoops! And then he realizes he's dead. And it's like then there's that you know emotional connection. Yep. Where you feel for the zombie, you feel for this creature who you know like there's hundreds of them killing people. Why if you were in that situation, want to kill you? Mm-hmm. And then from there, he he's like, it's one of those great moments, like cheer moments, when he finds Rhodes, he's shooting Rhodes, shoots him in the arm, shoots him in the gut, all this other stuff. And then as he's being eaten, he's like saluting Rhodes. It's so fucking good. Oh, it's amazing. It's such, so incredible. So, a character arc for a zombie, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> that's awesome, and it works so fucking well, and everyone fucking loves Bub. Mm-hmm. Bub has a huge fan following. Even my... Even not seeing Day of the Dead, just describing Bub to my wife and showing her a few clips, huge Bub fan. Bub rules. You're the best, Bub. And then, uh, as far as the other characters, I really, uh, I mean, Dr. Sarah Bowman, played by Laura Kendall, is, is kind of the main character of the film, for sure. Uh, we, we see her at the start, you know, between the dream sequences she has... Her involvement's kind of trying to get everyone to work together because when it comes to John and McDermott, they are just there to fly the plane and operate the radio. They don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. It's like her trying to get them to work together to do to for the greater good. Her in the beginning, she's trying to get all the military guys to kind of calm down and try to see logic about everything. Yeah, just be logical. You know, she's she's a great character in this regard because she also has like a sense of loss, but it almost takes uh, John talking to her like, hey, you know. Everything's down here. We have these records, film negatives, all this stuff. But what's it mean now? It means nothing. Mm-hmm. And just her like coming to you know, trying to you see some hope and hope in the world, and that there, there even though even though the world might be de- might be dead, she's still alive. And you know, like, that's kind of the thing that John's kind of talked to her about. It's like we can just leave. Let's go. Let's go find some island. Mm-hmm. Either live out the rest of our days or try to repopulate humanity. What island? Maybe. Any island. Yeah. So. And that's how the film ends, which I appreciate. They, they're they yeah. hanging out on an island, zombie-free, and she just has a calendar, and they're like, yeah. It's pretty fucking sweet. It's, yeah, like you said, like, when the beginning of the film, was like, let's just go to an island. Well, what do you want to do? You just want to drink and live the rest of your days away? Yeah, it sounds better than this. <laughs> yeah. For sure, and it's, it's, it's a great thing. But it's like, it, the helicopter plays a point in this similar to Dawn, where at the end of, the, of Dawn, it's like, we don't have much fuel. There's, there's a, there's... You think there's more hope there, but it's also kind of like a lack of hope because, like, you don't know how far they're going to get. Yeah, this film they actually this film probably has the happiest ending of the three, the original three uh, Romero zombie films. Um, you might be able to argue that Night is slightly happier if you ignore the fact that the protagonist and all of his friends from that night were murdered, because otherwise everyone else seems okay. That's true. You know, just rednecks killing zombies and everyone's okay with it. Uh, that's prior to the point of. Dawn when we're realizing, oh, world's fucked, never mind. Yeah. 
I mean, it's it's kind of very clear that even though there's even in Dawn there's still rednecks out there killing zombies, uh, eventually it's not going to work out. You can tell that it's not going to work out, and then by dawn and then by a, a day, it's very clear that things didn't work quite work out. Yeah. at least in Florida. Yeah. It's very debatable if anything else worked out anywhere else. In Florida. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's debatable that anything's ever worked out in Florida. I mean, they got meth. That's <laughs> going for them. Meth in Disney World. And that's it. Epcot! That, that's still going to work out someday. Oh, I hope Bub went to Epcot. 35 years later, let's hope. They're still, <laughs> still figuring it out. Uh, but I think, uh, is there any other uh, bits or pieces, something we haven't covered, like to talk about? Not specifically i think we covered the main bases it's just a good movie with a lot of good things in it yeah for sure it's it's so funny how the the breaking point happens it's just so quickly as well oh yeah very quick you know just uh like after a couple days it's like okay well shit hits the fan bad and it just crumbles it just also shows the fragility of it all too yeah this is how quickly everything can come crumbling down around them i mean if Rhodes would have just hung on he could have hung out with dennis hopper in pittsburgh <laughs> that's true uh, that didn't work out too well for them either. Well, just that city. Based on the dialogue, there's a bunch of those cities like that in the country. Mm-hmm. It's been wrong. I've only seen Land of the Dead once when I saw it in theaters. Uh, I like Land. I don't mind it. I thought it was fine. I just said I definitely rank like... it third after dawn, after Day and Then Dawn. But mm-hmm. compared to like other zombie movies, it definitely still outranks most. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I think, uh, I guess, so any uh, final thoughts on the film, Steve? Yeah, I mean, as far as uh, rankings goes, it's definitely the best of Romero's films. Absolutely. And especially of his zombie films. Yes. And it's one of those films that definitely, I, I I feel like it's coming around. I feel like I hear more people talk about it, but still, it's still doesn't feel like it's as big as a film as I think it needs to be. I agree with that. I don't know if it's like the nihilistic, depressing nature of the film, or the fact that the gore effects are just too much for some people mm-hmm. i mean that oh god i still, still want to gush about those again when the guy's get the top of his head like ripped off oh, the eye there yeah the guy's head's getting ripped off you hear his vocal cords kind of like giving out as he's screaming his head's getting pulled off i mean just so good it's that i mean as much as we should on tom savini like his name's in this film and it's a good film very it's good good special effects so props to him on this one. great special effects on this movie yep excellent if you haven't seen this movie see it I, yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. It is such a great, great movie. Not just a great horror film, a great movie. Yeah, just great movie, period. Just all the different themes and this stuff. the explores. perfect film to toss on, like, Christmas Eve. Yeah, just bring the whole family. Bring the whole family. Yep. Kids will love Bub. Then they can uh, choke on him. The, the cookies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> as, as Santa Claus gets disemboweled by zombies. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Steve, uh, star ratings on Day of the Dead. Let me give it a four and a half. I am also a very, very solid four and a half stars. Definitely check this one out. If you check it out and you've never seen it before, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please email us at moviefilmsdevillainsteve at gmail.com. You can also find us at moviefilmsdevillainsteve.tumblr.com. All of our episodes are listed there. You can catch up on uh, the first week of Zombie Wayne when we talked about Lucio Fulci's Zombie 2. Uh, and you can see the upcoming weeks, uh, just to give you a heads up. Next week, we're talking about... <gasps> Return of the Living Dead. Another classic zombie film and a great, great punk, punk rock inspired film. And of course, you can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. Just look at Movie Films with Bill and Steve. Give us a like, give us a five star review. 
give us both some kisses. We love you so much. Uh, we're also on. Tw- um, I'm also on Twitter at Lovable Bill. And you check out my film, SilverSpotlightFilms.com, Facebook.com slash SilverSpotlightFilms. <coughs> Excuse me. If you want to see me be a superhero wearing spandex or maybe a pretty dress, uh, head over to Facebook.com slash TheAmazingSpiderSteve. Well, fantastic. Well, as always, guys, I've been Bill. I've been Steve. That's right, bub. Say hello to your Aunt Alicia. Say hello, Aunt Alicia. Hello. Mm-hmm.